War has been a part of human existence since the dawn of time. No civilization has risen to power and influence without the brutality of war. From the ancient Egyptians to Alexander the Great's expansive empire, from the Crusades of the Middle Ages to today's religious wars in the Middle East, we fought a war to end all wars, but ended up fighting another world war not even a generation later. War is a dark reality in the human experience. Christians are called to live in a new reality, that of the kingdom of God. But it's difficult to reconcile that invisible reality with the one that we see. Of course, there is hope that one day all will be made right. But the pain and suffering of our present reality is still a difficult one to live through. And yet, it is one to which Christians are called. Today, we're starting a new series on war and violence. In this episode, we ask, how does the Bible depict war? How did the idea of just war develop? And is there a theological foundation for it in our modern age? All that and more in this edition of the podcast. We're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but that are often not raised from the pulpit. Too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues. We're your hosts. I'm Riker Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. Welcome to Questions from the Pew, where faith and culture meet. back episode 17 of Let's season go. four honestly so many episodes this season so many more yes. than what we pick usually pick. do choose a, an episode any episode as my cousin who is going to be a magician once said about cards okay who is going to be a magician uh, magician uh, sorry a magician you know pick a card oh. any card oh yeah, yeah 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 it was a terrible it's fine it was way too much when you have to Did explain this cousin follow through he did not, but I mean, he did. He was. He did the magician thing for a while. That was when we were like young, you know, as young. Oh. And then did like the filmmaking thing for a while. I mean, he was great at all hmm. of these things. But he's now a coder. Shout out to Cody. I think he listens on, at least to some of these. So hey. Oh, cool. <laughs> Shout out to Cody Dalton. Love you. <laughs> so we're talking about war. Yeah, that's a heavy wow. topic. It is. Yeah, I mean, relevant topic with just what's you know happening in Ukraine. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's other war zones also that probably don't get as much media coverage or whatever. But that's been the, I guess, the conflict of the year. Yeah. At least in our in the western certainly side unforeseen. Of the world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, obviously horrible. I mean, I don't know if anybody's been watching. I haven't been keeping up with it as much recently, but, I mean, it's just, you know, horrible stuff, war. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I think we Yeah, all... I don't know what else you can say. There's no, uh, I guess there's no bright side to it. Yeah. Right? Even with, I don't know, maybe maybe this is jumping to the topic, but yeah, we're jumping even with, in, like, yeah. the purest of motives, like, there's there's no getting around just yeah. the, the awful nature of it. Truly. Just killing human beings, images of yeah. God. Certainly, it's not um, 
I mean, right, questions from the pew, we try to talk about things that aren't addressed from the pulpit. Um, yep. I think addressing war from the pulpit is is a difficult thing to do. I mean, addressing war in general sure. is, is tough, yeah. but especially for, I guess, preachers or in a ministry context, like how do you do that? Right. I don't know if you could. Well, do I feel that like it well. seems like it's only ever done in the places where the war is happening, and then it's like people mm. have to reckon with it, you know. But right. if you don't have to reckon with it, it's kind of easy to not reckon with it, you know. Right. It's far Honestly, away. Out of mind. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So hopefully we do, you know, we do that here, kind of help us think through some of these, these questions centered around war and violence. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah. So I guess we can jump in. A question from the pew. All right, first question. How does the Bible depict war? Positively, negatively, or neutrally? Multiple choice. Multiple choice question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a continuum there, so multiple choice, but infinite answers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark your answer on this line. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I guess generally negatively. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the first thing I wrote is just, I mean, the Bible assumes that violence is, you know, bad. Mm. Um I think, I mean, I think if you just read it for any uh, length of time, uh, I mean, the descent, like even in like Genesis 4, which is right after the fall of man in Genesis 3, it's like things get more, obviously Cain and Abel, and then things get worse in Cain's line, like with Lamech. And and then like, you know, in Genesis 6, before the flood, it's like violence is everywhere and it's just... I mean, it's obviously negative. God right. responds with, you know, a flood. And then, you know, just all throughout, I mean, the descent in Judges, where it just keeps getting worse and worse, and the violence keeps getting more gruesome and more gruesome. Right. It's yeah. it's not like it ever comes out and says, violence is not ideal, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it's just, but it definitely it's just shows assumed. a progression. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially, like, like, if we take war as a... Because our, like... Our foci, our two areas of focus are warfare and violence, right? So, like, war is sure. a very specific culmination point for yeah. violence generally. At least, That's true. I think you can look at it that way. And I think you yeah, can see that in judges for sure, right? Those mm-hmm. those individual um, acts of violence, um, and and then more localized acts of violence with bigger groups of people, eventually yeah. leading to outright. Um, you know, battling yeah. um, between you know Israel and and other you know neighboring Canaanite nations towards sure. the end of the book. Um, I think there's a there's a progression to be seen there, and I think you're right in saying like it doesn't say it outright, but it clearly shows it in a negative light. Yes, and like it, the 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 cherry on top, if you will, of the depravity is the warfare scene that happens. Um, at the at, you know towards the end of the book, sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's yeah. I think, I think with this question, what people will, especially when we're talking about war, 
is I think what the pushback would be is, sure, it might be depicted negatively, but like, hey, didn't God tell them to, you know, go to war with all these people? <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? So then it's like, mm. I think the question people would, would be asking then is like, so it can't be all, you know, if God's commanding them to do this, it can't be all bad, which I have like tons of pushback for that. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess what do you mm. think about that? Yeah. Well, it's for me, it's a little bit, I guess the warfare that's depicted in the Bible, and this is not me trying to whitewash anything or, you know, sugarcoat things in the Bible. There are tough, sure. you know, things in the Bible. Yeah. But it's different because much of the warfare in the Bible isn't um, war, warfare like we think of it, right, of military action to gain sure. resources. At least not sure. warfare that's commanded by um, God, um, you know, in, in, in a strict sense of that, that kind of idea of warfare. Sure, you know, Israel has these things, these wars against other nations, but even that is like they've got rules for war, right? Sure. Um, I think Listo in Deuteron- Deuteronomy um, 20 and the conquest narratives, um, and again, it's not, it's not a gaining of, of resources for that. It's sure. narratively, right? So in the sequence of the story, it's a return to the homeland sure. for one thing. So it's a reclamation of, of it. And then theologically, it's a clearing of the place where Yahweh will dwell as God. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, it's, yeah. So there's a, there's a little bit. Again, I'm not saying that it's any less difficult, but I think those two ideas of it being a reclamation of their homeland and then um, yes. and then the clearing out, the theological element of it, I think those are two variables that you need to take into account as you address these war narratives. Agreed. Well, I think, I mean, a lot of this does go back to just cultural realities and cultural differences that we have now. Because obviously, like, warfare was just a is a part of ancient Near Eastern life, you know, <laughs> just, I mean, that's kind of what you had to do. Um, but I think, that, yeah, the problem is the answer or the, there's no like easy answer for this. And the answer that keeps me satisfied is such like a big, uh, it's like the themes of the Bible. Okay. Let me, let me just try to get there quickly. I don't know if I'm going to be Go for it. I'm just going to try to get there quickly. Um, well, like we just talked about Cain and Abel. So like in Genesis 4 and 5, there's like a line of, you know, Cain's descendants and then, you know, Seth's descendants, who's Adam and Eve's next child in place of Abel. And uh, obviously Abram and like, you know, the nation of Israel come out of Seth's line. and uh, And Cain's line leads to... I mean, quite literally Canaan um, and like a lot of these, uh, a lot of these other group, like Canaanite groups are like from the line of Cain or whatever. And that connects back to the idea in Genesis three of like the woman's seed will always be at odd with the snake's seed. Um, and so there's this like idea of the snake's line, which is through Cain and then like the woman's seed, which is through Seth, uh, and then they come in to this, 
you know, big conflict when Israel goes to the Exodus, you know, does the wilderness wanderings, and then they come to, like, you know, do conquest and, like, gain the promised land from, like, the snakes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And obviously we look at that from a modern perspective, and it's like, you know, I mean, just like what we talked about in the Lord of the Rings series, like, there's there's orcs on both sides, you know, there's there's people, we know that, uh, like in every war and every conflict, there's like probably people doing good things and people doing bad things. You know what I'm saying? And not to say that one isn't more guilty or whatever, mm-hmm. but like in the biblical imagination, it's not really like about to your point of like clearing a land for Yahweh. It's like they're trying to make essentially it's like God's holy priests clearing the land of snakes so that it can then be like God's holy garden. You know what I'm saying? And then it can bless all the, all the nations. So that's like the, the imagination or like the framework that the Bible is coming with. And then we read it and it's like, destroy everyone from these cities, women, men, women, children. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like what's happening? You know what I mean? Right. And like, rightly so. I, I don't think that that's wrong to have those feelings. Um, but I don't know. I guess to me, it's, trying to understand what the Bible is like communicating on its terms. And it does make us feel uncomfortable, but I guess to me, I've learned to like, I don't know, I guess like empathize with the, with that culture. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where it's, and like, yeah, there, I don't know. I, what are you thinking on that? No. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, it's, in many ways, we almost have. There are a lot of ways where we need to read the Bible um, in the same way as other literature, right? We can't, although we, you know, although people of faith recognize it as a divinely inspired book or collection of books, in many ways, again, we have to read it um, in, in the same way as other books. And yet, it is very different, right, in the way it. It tells these stories and tells these narratives. Um, but again, to your point, right? We have to we have to read things differently because they describe things in a different way. So I'm thinking, you know, even specifically about like the the kind of language that's used is is very hyperbolic in these commands, right? right? So right. God's commands to dest- utterly destroy, to devote these people to destruction yes. uh, is the phrase. Um, it can seem overblown to the modern reader, like right. an overreaction. Re- it's like a little extreme. Um, but it mirrors the kind of hyperbolic language that we see even outside of um, of the Bible. Um, and in, in those, are, I think specifically of the like the earliest instance of the the mention of Israel in any outside in any text outside of the Bible, so yeah. the um, like a monument by created by the Pharaoh Merneptah, um, and he talks about how he destroyed all these cities, and he names Israel the people group and, and says that he wiped out his offspring or his seed. Sure, uh, he he is no more. Israel yeah. is no more. Well, clearly, it, it was. <laughs> it was. It, <laughs> it still was. It was more. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, you get that hyperbolic, um, that hyperbolic language. Um, and, and so, I think if we keep that in mind, yeah. 
that might, um, again, I'm not saying it makes these passages easier, but I think it nuances the kinds of questions that we ask of the text as sure. we're encountering these, these passages. Even in, within the Bible, I forget where it is, and I wish I could look this up in time, or maybe you know off the top of your head. But there's literally, like, I think it's in Deuteronomy. It's like, you know, when you go in the land, you know, destroy everyone or whatever. And then, like, the next thing that it says is, like, you know, like, what your interactions with the people there should be. And it's like, wait, <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought that they were all destroyed. <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. I thought that's what, how are we yeah. interacting with these people if they're destroyed? So that's where it's, Yeah. I mean, to your point, it is hyperbolic. Um, yeah. Maybe some, you know, maybe that doesn't sit well for some people. But once again, it's just reading empathetically with in that culture's conventions. It's not mm -hmm. our conventions that the Bible is written with. It's their conventions. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think, though, that overall, so like there's a difference, right, between the kind of warfare that I described with, you know, um, in terms of Israel against other nations, again, that um, that reclamation and that theological side of things. But then there's also the warfare of other nations against Israel, sure. right? And that was very much for, um, yeah, for the for the gain of resources, sure. natural and human. So think sure. of the major world powers that Israel was caught in between, right? Egypt, Assyria, sure. Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Sure. Um, the, the point, the reason why Israel was caught in all these wars, um, again, aside from the theological side of things, um, is that it was a crossroads for trade. It was a crossroads. Uh, it was an important point for... Um, for all these different reasons. And so, um, yeah, so it, for me at least, it's it's a little different. And those, those instances of warfare where Israel is, is battling these major, you know, superpowers or gets caught under the feet of these superpowers, um, that is a result of disobedience. So warfare is a result of disobedience. Again, that yeah. negative that generally negative light that the Bible portrays, um, you know, warfare in. Yeah. Well, that's where one thing that's been helpful for me, like with that whole thing of like war as a consequence or, well, yeah. Well, the thing is like, it's both a consequence and a punishment. So like we think of consequence and punishment as different like things, right? So like, you know, 
a consequence is like we would a say result. it's like a, a res- yeah it's like it's like uh, trying to think of a good example. I don't know. It's just like, you know, if a fish flopped out onto the land and it's like dying now, it's like that's a consequence. Like you jumped out of the water. <laughs> that stinks you know it's consequence but then we would say like a punishment is like if someone came up and started like punching the fish you know while it was flopping because then it's like an extra Hmm. like it's an extra added thing on top of consequence it's usually how we at least that's how i think of it is it's like Mm -hmm. this is a like an imposing this is a thing that's imposed on me whereas in the bible like you could say that like the reason that Babylon comes and conquers Judah is because Judah breaks their treaty with Babylon. You know what I mean? Like they, mm. they try to rebel. And so it's like, okay, well the consequence of that is, uh, you know, we're going to do war against you, take you over and send you in exile. Mm-hmm. But then the funny thing is that like God takes re- responsibility for that. And then the prophets will say, no, that wasn't just a con, you know, it wasn't consequence, even though it was, like it's it was punishment, you know what I'm saying, for disobedience mm-hmm. and for, you know, not upholding what God wanted us to do, which is be a blessing to all the nations. Yeah. So yeah, the the problem is that like war is so like threaded, especially in the Old Testament with everything that's going on. But if you don't mm-hmm. like if you don't have the themes to like be like the foundation or like undergird the way that you read, then this war seems like needless or, or even like the, what I was saying earlier about like, you're going in to clear the snakes out of, out of Eden. It's like, well, that just sounds like propaganda to, for someone to come in and take over a group of people. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so that's where I think, yeah. Well, I think one way that the Bible is not that like propaganda for the Jewish people to come in and take over is like, the final form of the Old Testament includes both Israel's conquest of the land and also their own being conquested. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And so that's where, to your point, like these are like, you know, you know, wars being fought on the battlefield, but it's also like in the Bible, it's being framed as like a theological, uh, there's a theological understanding of the, you know, events that took or like the consequences of mm-hmm. you know kings decisions and that kind of a thing right so i don't know it's yeah there's no, more to it than just what's ha- like what you're reading you know what i'm saying right right or and what, i think sorry go ahead sorry go ahead no, no no just like i just meant reading in the sense of like face value mm-hmm. what's what you would get on first glance yeah no yeah definitely agree with you and i think i think overall right the the in terms of its final form, it it includes all of these what we see maybe as conflicting, like ideas about warfare. Um, but in light of the theological aspect of it, right? It under the Bible understands war as an ugly part of human existence. Mm. For one, yeah, that's something that's like Ecclesiastes three eight talks about there being a time to uh, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Um, these seasons uh, of life and um, it doesn't pull any punches if I can use that phrase Um, it doesn't pull any punches about the the ugly ugly reality of human existence and and war's involvement in that but I do think that there you know as we move into the New Testament there's an emphasis on the way of weakness uh, of 
taking on that voluntary weakness and living in peace sure. as much as possible with others. It's Again, it's not the same organized warfare yeah. language that you see in the Old Testament just because it's they're under occupation at that point. Sure. So it wouldn't make sense for for the you know same kind of imagery yeah. um, to be present there. Well, and even even in the Old Testament, like for instance, like Israel's kings weren't supposed to like gain a bunch of horses, which is basically mm. just like military right. might, and they weren't right. supposed like David, like God punished David because he took a census to try to like understand how much military might he had. Right. And well, God's even like Samuel's. That, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, 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 yeah, go ahead. I mean, that's well, even just Samuel's example. warning. I was going to yeah. say to the people when they right. asked for a king that they wanted as opposed yeah, yeah. to the kind of king that God wanted, um, Samuel's warning was when you get a king, he's going to make you, he's going to make you, he's going to conscript your sons to fight his wars. Yeah. yeah. Like right. he was very clearly painting that as a negative consequence, war right. as a negative consequence um, totally. of following their own idea of what a king should look like. Right. Well, and that's where, obviously, I mean, so I, mean, I kind of said it at the start, but war was like a reality. It was just a, the ugly reality of that time. But Israel was supposed to be like a counter, a counter nation to all these nations who are obviously built on like warfare and might. You know what I mean? Like that's just what you're built on. <laughs> yeah. Like who has the bigger walls, who has more horses, who has, you know, better weapons. So that's where it's like... Obviously, I, the New Testament's just a continuation of the Old Testament, and I think, obviously, Jake Jesus, ultimately, when he stands facing military might of Rome, like he he's like submits to the consequences of human evil and violence. So like that's a continuation. But even in, like in the Old Testament, we see, I think, like the first steps toward. Obviously, like war is is not good. <laughs> you know, it's bad mm-hmm. and evil. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. And no, I think, yeah. And ultimately, though, right, even beyond Jesus, the the ultimate picture is a, is a reality where wars don't exist yeah, anymore. I mean, well, actually, whole... you still see this even in, in the Old Testament with Old Psalms. Testament, yeah. Like, he makes wars cease on the earth. Like, yes. that's the ideal. And maybe God you can remember in. this reference. I never remember it, but it's the, you know, weapons into plowshares or whatever. Weapons into plows. Mm. I forget. Oh yeah, or in swords into plows. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I forget which one. Maybe. Isaiah yeah, there's a Jeremiah. there's a shift there that happens. Yeah. Um, where yeah, that's a. I've always loved that image of turning these implements of war, yes. um, into something completely into different. helpful tools that are yeah. just used to cultivate and grow. Yeah. Which and that's a. I mean that's, yeah, that's like where the Bible's trying to go, uh, even like with the conquest of Israel, is they're trying to establish like a holy nation. Um, and once again, I, I I don't think it's wrong for it to hit our sensibilities a little bit sideways, you know, mm-hmm. and make us feel a certain type of way. Yeah. Um, I think it reminds us how of how separated we are from the original yeah. sure. authors and the original audiences. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I, we'll get to this at later in the in this series about war, but I think the way that the Bible has been used obviously has influenced how people view it rather than like the themes that are present mm. within, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll talk about that later. But yeah. um, I think that maybe that's a good segue into our second question, actually. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right.
the pew. Question number two, how did the idea of just war develop? Uh, and is there a theological foundation for it in our modern age? It's a great question. Yeah. If I say so myself, it's a great question. <laughs> yeah. Just a quick pat on the old back here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, this, yeah. I mean, I can take a stab, but I mean, I don't have, I'm not like a historical theologian. So this is, you know, I. We are by no means in. No. Uh, we are by no means ethicists. No, exactly. Yeah, the development. But like, you know. Uh, I just have a few, like Augustine is, is quoted, I think, as the first person like to talk about just war or whatever. Um, but I like, like this quote from him, which I'll just start with and we can go from there. But he says, But say they, the wise man, will wage just wars, as if he would not all the rather lament the necessity of just wars, mm. if he remembers that he is a man. For if they were not just, he would not wage them and would therefore be delivered from all wars which I think is, like, beautiful is the first thing. But, yeah, I don't know. We can go from there. I don't know what you think about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the idea of a just war is is trying to come to terms with war as a reality in human existence. Sure. Right? And so, like, if we don't want, if we don't want to ravage the land and the people living in land, then... Then, then how do we address that except by putting uh, a qualifier on warfare? Sure. Um, so there's that conflict, right, between the sin of taking a life, I think, with the responsibility of preserving life. Yeah, right. Um, and I think maybe that's what kind of this idea of, of just war I mean, yeah. kind of gets at. And so that's why you get, um, and again, I'm not an expert on this, but like, I don't even know if I'm saying these right, but use ad bellum, use in bello, and use post bellum. Um, so, like, justice before, you know, war, justice within a war, justice after a war, kind of generally are the ideas, right? So, like, yeah. before war is a last resort. Sure. And before we resort to war, there needs to be um, steps taken to avoid it. Um, yeah. But if we do need to take it, there needs to be a just cause for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, each of these categories like kind of begs different questions. Okay, so how how do you determine what a just cause is? Sure. Um, and that's where you know you ethicists can kind of you know step <laughs> yeah. in. But broadly speaking, that's there's that, and then there are also rules for how to engage justly in war. Yeah. Right, and so. Especially, I th was it after World War One, where yeah. like, like Isn't no, these, the if Geneva we're gonna convention, or yeah, or yeah, 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 that's the Geneva Convention. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Like, the, how do we engage in modern warfare? Like, it's, it's kind of crazy that they're fine. We're gonna, you know, send whole armies to kill each other, but yes. these are lines that we're not things. gonna cross. Yeah, um, it is. And then even after that, like, just action after a war, like, how do you? Like, yeah, there's there's a I guess a path to some sort of restoration, right? Uh, and maybe restoration is too positive of a term, but like, yeah, um, but yeah, like these treaties not only ended wars, but they also made reparations, yeah, for them, right? Yeah, so yeah. the Treaty of Versailles in 1919, you know, sure. ended World War One, but 
even that, I feel like, depending on whose side you were on, you could say that treaty was either just or unjust. Yeah, unjust. Um, I mean, a lot of people point to it as the reason why World War II happened. Because, right. You yeah. know, obviously, yeah. Hitler was able to rise because right. of, like, humiliation. But, I mean... Or, yeah. Or, or even 1819, Treaty of Paris, which ended the Spanish American the Spanish American War. Sure. Like that ended up giving. Sorry, that ended up with um, a lot of Spanish territories moving into the sure. possession of the United States, namely sure. Philippines, Guam, Puerto Rico, Cuba, those yeah. nations. So, who was it just for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what well, I mean? Clearly not for the countries who were, you know, yeah. supposedly liberated from Spain only to fall under the <laughs> control of another empire. Literally. I mean, yeah. I guess that I guess that's the problem with this whole just war thing. Is cuz I think wars at the core of what they are are like unjust. You know what I'm saying? Like they're just they're not It's us not resolving our conflicts peaceably, but now using force to get whatever it is that we want. You know what I'm saying? As a collective, especially in the modern day, it's like, you know, we're doing this as a collective. So I, I guess that's like the tough thing, at least for me, and maybe you have a different perspective on this. I don't know, but it's like, I think these, you know, these ideas do their best with what we have in the sense of like, it's a realists, you know, adjust you know it's a realist way to operate in the world but at the same time it's like i just don't know and i, I guess so to me just war when i think of that the first thing i think of all these things are a part of it but the first thing i think of is like there's a good reason to like go to war and mm -hmm. i think like the best modern at least western example of this is like world war Two. is like i think most people it's like like and don't get me wrong, I'm sure there were many other reasons why, you know, America entered the war, you know, obviously European nations were fighting for their own land, so, I mean, that's, they didn't really have a choice whether to enter or not. Um, uh, but, like, the idea of, like, you know, Germany's, like, exterminate, exterminating a population, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We should probably go in there. And, yeah, well, in order to stop them from doing that, we'll have to, like, use because the, the only way to do that is through violence, you know what I mean? It's through force. Mm -hmm. So it's like, in order to stop this horrible thing from happening, we have to do a horrible thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. But like, it's it's like the scales thing. It's like, but the horrible thing that we have to do is less horrible than the horrible thing that's going to be done if we don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Which, that's so that's like the conversation I always think of, of just war is like, is this like cause, you know? worthy of war um which is just a tough question <laughs> I yeah don't know. you know what no. i'm saying yeah well especially for us because in our modern context because war has expanded to such a massive level right so the wars that we see in, in the bible are in a lot of ways localized um instances of warfare uh, again sure we talked about it earlier right you've got the bigger superpowers of Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, those sure. empires waging war against other nations. You, you yeah. do have that. Um, but even that is so different from the kind of warfare that we have today, that not even taking into account the um, how 
how human beings are separated from each other in warfare in terms of like this is sure. no longer hand-to-hand combat where you're looking at your enemy in the eye instead sure. there are air force pilots firing drones from a computer yeah. not right. even in you know the right. land where the drone it's is fighting is yeah. firing from so right. there are so many different things that make this question of well how do you define what a just war is um, yeah so difficult because you can co like personally speaking or even as a small collective you can co in you can go into a war with the purest of motives and with the with a just cause sure but with i don't know with the way that militaries are set up and the whole aspect of like chain of command and stuff like that like yeah, it's like a machine right and yeah. how much how much um autonomy do you have in yeah. like you have the autonomy of autonomy of uh, of you know signing up to go to battle yes but sure at some point you relinquish that yeah, yeah that's true <laughs> but at some point you you know that's you, you relinquish that and then so what do you do then when it goes beyond the just cause that you saw for, you know, yeah, right. going into war in the first place? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's, and that's like when they were, uh, you know, the Nazi trials, I forget what they're called. Nuremberg, Nuremberg, Nure- that were they? Nuremberg. Nuremberg, there you go. Well, that was like the question. It was like how far down the chain of command mm-hmm. do we like punish these people? You know what I mean? Cause right. So, like these soldiers, like if they didn't do it, obviously, I mean, they I don't die. know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what exactly the consequences was, but they could find themselves in concentration camps. You mm-hmm. know, so it's just like, but at the same time, it's like it was still wrong for them to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To, to follow through with it. So that's, um, and that connects to the history of non-innocence. We're all guilty for the things that our societies, you know, the ills mm-hmm. that our societies, the transgressions our society, uh, you know, takes part in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's tough. I mean, World War II is always the easiest example for me because it's like, yeah, I guess if somebody didn't step in, I guess we would, the, the Nazis would have just kept exterminating Jews, continue, you know what I mean, and anybody. Right. Who, and it's just like, that seems like somebody should stop that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is the... I guess there is a difference between like, especially modern day like governments, and then like you know individuals' choices. <laughs> so I that's where, I don't know. I guess so. I kind of have like three ways that one or a group of people could respond to violence. One is just pacifist, so you could just refuse to take part in it, which there's actually a lot of uh, there's a lot of Christian denominations and just a lot of people around the world who would say you know. Mm-hmm they're like pacifist um and there's plenty of people who will critique that and you know yeah so that's one uh two is what i'm calling an interventionist which is i would say they concede to violence when it lessens the impact of evil Hmm. uh which i guess i would categorize like you know the response by the allies in world war ii as interventionist which obviously once again everything is so muddy with war it's like you know i know that there were plenty of other 
I mean, America got out of a depression because of World War II, you know what I mean? So it's like, it wasn't, it's not like it was altruism all the way through. Um, but anyway, interventionist, I would say they concede to violence like when it's necessary. And then there's just like, you know, opportunists who leverage violence to get what they want. Um, obviously that last one I don't think is a Christian, you can defend that perspective from a Christian standpoint. But the other two, I think like you could, um, I think people get pacifists confused with pacifism, like mm. being passive, but that's not what pacifism is. Um, you could argue that Jesus was a pacifist, but it's also the, it's so difficult because the, the biblical imagination of what he's doing. Yes. He did submit to the violence of like an empire. So that's real. Uh, and I think on an individual level, if we're just laying our cards on the table, I think that's like what I would be called to as an individual is like in that, you know, in those kinds of situations, it's like, yeah, like I should, I should, I don't know, lay down my life for the many and just like submit to the violence and evil of, you know, these machine like empires. Um, but yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to, it's hard to apply that to the modern nation state, you know? Um, yeah. It's so Which different. I guess it was back then too. I mean, everyone might, might is still right on the national or on mm. the international stage. I mean, I mean, just read a news article, you know? So yeah, I don't, it's tough. I mean, we don't live in a theodic, theodicy, theodic, theocrat, theocracy. What is it? theocracy. There you go. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I guess to your last point is what I kind of fall back on in terms of like finding biblical warrant for, you know, going to war or something like that or, yeah. you know, um, having a proof text for your decision um, or your defense of a war. Um, yeah, because it's a we live in a different reality. Um, I think in terms of helping to frame our decisions, it's we've got to keep those biblical commands in front of us, right? So like Paul talks about as, as, as much as it is in your control, as it is in your power, live peaceably with all men. Um, I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Again, that's at an individual level though, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the all men is a, you know, all human beings, it's, it's, a, there's a communal aspect to that. And I, I will concede that it, the, that kind of thinking gets a little bit more difficult the more you extrapolate it to larger yeah. societies. Um, right. And, well, it would just be know, great. A whole nation we, going to war. Yeah. If we all had like that perspective, it'd be like, sick, this is great. But even still, the, just the way that the system of nations in this world is set up. It's like if somebody, if a nation actually like submitted to the way of Jesus, it'd just get run over, you know, it would, it would, Mm -hmm. it would get run over. And that's like, I mean, I think that's like the beautiful thing. And that's like what the Christian, or that's what Christ calls Christians too, is like to get run over in this life, you know what I'm saying? And not run over in the sense of, you know, we don't stand for anything and we're pushovers, but like run over in the sense of we're willing to sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think it's, yeah, it's hard to apply just because there's no, we can't think of anything 
else other than the way things are set. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like there's no real way that that could work unless everybody was on board, (laughs) (laughs) which obviously they're not. (laughs) Right. Yeah. They're Uh, always, yeah. That's the other thing. I mean, that's the, that's the other thing. It's, it's like, in order for this to work, everyone has to be on board and that's just not, not, uh, not Not reality. reality. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Well, maybe we can get, you know, we'll, we'll definitely dive into these, Again, these nuances. I think this first episode is really getting what we're really getting at is just the how difficult it is to Absolutely. think through these questions. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say it from you know straight out of the gate. We're not going to give definitive answers on <laughs> certainly nope. this war was right, this war was wrong. Yeah, this, no, no. <laughs> no, that's not what we're going to do. But I'm not a historian. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll we'll um, yeah just present. Um, just present just the new how nuanced and how difficult yeah. it is. And I think I mean those. I think Scripture is like relatively clear on like you know how evil like how evil violence is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I mean I think things are clear. Where it gets unclear is like how do we how do we apply this mm-hmm. belief and this ethic to like what we're seeing in the world and you know what we should champion. So yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll get into that in the the next few episodes. Yes. Thanks for listening and joining in on the conversation with us. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on Patreon. It's just www.patreon.com slash questions from the pew. And if you can't support us financially, please give us a good rating or review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on. And that helps others find our podcast. Also, please comment and ask questions. You can do that by following and messaging us on Facebook or Instagram. You can also leave us a short voice message or text message at 312-725-2995. If you do leave a voicemail, please keep it under 30 seconds or so and tell us your name and where you're from. We'd like to include your voicemail in our Q&R episodes, but if you prefer for us not to, just let us know and we'll include your question in another way uh, and without giving away your information. Same goes for any messages you send us on social media or through text. This has been Questions from the Pew, a podcast in the World Outspoken Network. To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for cultural change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com. For Questions from the Pew, I'm Riker Zalameda. I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time. Yeah.